I want you, if you would, to turn with me in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 31. I want you to read with me, beginning in verse 1, and we'll read down through verse 6. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezaleel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, in wisdom, and in understanding, and in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship, to devise cunning works, to work in gold, and in silver, and in brass, and in cutting of stones, to set them, and in carving of timber, to work in all manner of workmanship. And I, behold, I have given with him Aholiab, the son of Abishamach, of the tribe of Dan. And in the hearts of all that are wise-hearted, I have put wisdom, that they may make all that I have commanded thee. And I want us to look at this this morning. Uh, the Lord, by His Spirit, we're going to talk about these men. There's two men specifically that are named, and one, one is like the leader uh, of this group. And the Lord filled these men by His Holy Spirit to do His will. He filled them uh, in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge. And it says not just these two men, but at the end of verse 6, and in, and in the hearts of all that are wise-hearted, I have put wisdom, that they may make all that I have commanded thee. Now, we're going to talk this morning about this, this thought. And this is God's work done God's way. God's work or God's will done God's way. It's always going to be blessed. Amen. The Lord had given to Moses and this I know we just jumped in the middle of a passage here, but just real quickly to give the, the, the background, the Lord had given to Moses on Mount Sinai in the wilderness after the Israelites came out of Egypt. He had given to, to Moses not only the law, which we studied eight weeks we spent studying the law and, and God's purpose in the law and so forth. Not only had he given to Moses the law which included the Ten Commandments, which would point men to Christ, but he also gave the exact pattern for the tabernacle that he wanted built. This is before the temple, okay? Before that, God gave the exact pattern for the tabernacle and all that, all that pertained to it, including like the garments that the priests would wear, everything, the golden altar, the brazen altar, the candlestick, the furniture, Everything, the dimensions, the materials, everything. If you've ever built a house, you know there's a lot of detail that goes into that. And it's amazing. It wasn't written down. It was showed to Moses on the mount. It was like he had a picture of it. And there are specific dimensions that are given. There's chapter after chapter after chapter after chapter in Exodus that talks about the specific things. And this is made of fine beaten gold. And the candlestick was to have three branches coming up on each side with little bowls on the top where the oil would go and shapes of almonds all around it. Everything was very detailed and specific. And all of that, everything about the Levitical priesthood, everything about that system of worship, everything about the tabernacle, even the materials, everything was to typify Christ or to foreshadow the Lord before He would come. His ministry, His sacrifice, uh, the gold signifying His perfection and everything and holiness. And so all of this typified Christ before He came. And the Lord did not leave the building or the completion of the tabernacle to chance. 
Okay? If we're going to build a, a hunting camp in the middle of the woods where it's just going to be a place where we shower and, and get a night's sleep, we're not going to stress over uh, the, the minor details of that. Uh, you might just wing it even as you get there. We're going to build it about, you know, 15 by 20, whatever. But God did not leave the building of, or, the, or the completion of this building of the tabernacle to chance. He didn't leave it for men to figure out as they went, even good men. He didn't say, well, this will just be trial and error and do your best. Give it a shot. This was not to be the work of man. It was not to be an accomplishment of man or men. Not only did God give the specific plan or pattern, as it's called in the Scriptures, but God also provided specific people to do the work. This is really amazing when you think about it. So Moses is in the mountain. He's received the law. I don't, I don't remember if it was all at the same time, but another time he receives a pattern for the tabernacle. And then later, it, it should, as I said, chapter after chapter of the specific details of the tabernacle and all the furniture that goes into it. But, but God also provided the men or the people to do the work. He names them by name. These guys that He mentions here, and I'm, I pray I'm pronouncing it right, Bazal El, okay, was the main one. And then with him, He gave him a helper, uh, a whole. Wait, where is it again? A holy app. Okay, a holy app. So these two guys, so the Lord gave men to do the exact will, the exact work, and to do it exactly as he has prescribed it. I'm just going to read some verses here for time's sake. I'm reading from Exodus 31. And the Lord told Moses, And behold, I have given with him Aholiab, the son of Ahishamach of the tribe of Dan. And in the hearts of all that are wise-hearted, I have put wisdom that they, have make all, that they may make all that I have commanded thee. It's all that the Lord commanded. And the Bible says in chapter 36, And then wrought Bezaliel and Ahiolab, and every wise-hearted man in whom the Lord had put wisdom and understanding to know how to work all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary according to all that the Lord had commanded. And Moses called these men. It says, and every wise-hearted man in whom the Lord had put wisdom in their hearts. Okay? And whosoever heart stirred them up to work. And so, again, this was not just uh, to be left to chance. It was not just to be left uh, to do your best. A lot of times we'll say to our kids, just do your best. And that, that's wonderful. In certain things in life, all we can do is our best, right? But this was not to be left for men to just do their best. God made sure it was provided for. God made sure it was going to be done the way He wanted. And to me, it's a beautiful picture. Not just of the tabernacle, but this could be repeated all through the history of the Bible and all through the history of our lives. God's things done God's way. God's work done God's way. Can I tell you that God's work done God's way will always be provided for. It will always prosper. The Bible says that the, the blessed man in Psalm 1, right? He's like a uh, who meditates on his delights in the law of the Lord, right? And it says he'll be like a tree. This man or woman will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall what? Prosper. God's work 
done God's way will always prosper. God's work done God's way will always be provided for. Whether you need workers, there'll be workers. Whether you need finances, there'll be finances. Whether you need wisdom, there'll be wisdom. Whatever is needed, if it's God's work done God's way, it's always going to be right. You wouldn't have to wonder and question, was this the right thing to do? I'm a Christian and I love the Lord and serve the Lord. I've done things in my life and I've wondered, did I do the right thing before? Even looking back, I've wondered if I've done the right thing before. But God's work done God's way is always going to be right. It's always going to be best, not second best, not pretty good. And I can tell you this, and we heard it in Sunday school, it will always glorify God. God's work done God's way. The glory is always going to end up being right where it should be, back on the Lord. It will always glorify God. You and I as, as children of God, as Christians, we need to get find out the heart of God and we need to get plugged in to His will. We need to get plugged in because that's where it's going to happen. That's where God's going to be glorified. That's where you're going to be satisfied. That's where you're going to be provided for. The work of the Lord will be provided for. We need to find out His will and get plugged right in the center of His will. I'll read a couple more scriptures here. And Moses said unto the children of Israel, See, the Lord hath called by name Bezaliel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he had filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, and in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. Then a couple of chapters later, Exodus 38. And Bezaliel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, made all that the Lord commanded Moses. So we see that they're called by name. We see that they're given the pattern of the work to do. And then we see that they did it. This man did it. He made everything that God commanded Moses to do. And I was thinking, what a, what a, an encouragement that must have been. What an encouragement it is to, when something is, is overwhelming to us, to have God provide for it. It must have been a great encouragement to the children of Israel. Not, not just that Moses comes and tells all the people, God's given us a pattern for the tabernacle. Here it is. It might have seemed, they might have scratched their heads and say, well, I don't get it. I mean, I've read through the specific details of the tabernacle. And even reading it line by line, I kind of, you know, and I'm, I've built houses and stuff before, and I'm thinking, how exactly does that work? Even having specific plans. And yet, it can be overwhelming. And God says, it's okay. Not only have I given you the plan, I've called these two men. They've got it. I've put it in their hearts. The wisdom to work in all uh, scarlet and, and purple and these different materials. To I was reading one part where they took gold because uh, much of the tabernacle was of, of pure overlaid in gold and pure gold. Even the priestly garments had uh, gold threads. It was real gold. They took gold and they beat it into thin, thin plates and then they cut it in strips like, like almost like bread. And they wove it into the garments. He says, I put that skill in them to do that. It's really amazing when you think about it. We just think, okay, the tabernacle, some gods went and built it. You know, it's an old badger skin. It's all dry. No, there was detailed stuff and artwork and, and brass and gold and silver. And 
to wonder what encouragement it must have been to the people to, to, to hear from Moses. Look, God's, God's got the men to do it. It wasn't just those two. It was all, it says, all those also that helped them. He had also filled their hearts with wisdom and understanding and gave them this skill. It must have been a great encouragement to Moses to know God had provided what was needed for it. Not just the materials, but I would say even more important, the work. The name Bezaliel. And this guy's mentioned a lot. If you, you probably just, like me, just don't give a lot of attention to it. But this man was called for this job. And he was equipped. He was the grandson of Hur. You know, it was Aaron and Hur that held up the, the hands of Moses when they were fighting the Amalekites, right? And we know that story. And they, they, Moses got tired and they held his arms up while Joshua led the army to fight. Um, but the name, his name means in the shadow of or the protection of God. In the protection of God, the shadow of God. And so God himself had called him by name. It was a specific person. And the, and the scriptures tell us that. And then God himself filled him with the spirit of God and wisdom and understanding and knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. And you know when, when the dust settles, when all this is said and done, no man can take credit for it. No man can take credit for it. Nobody can step in at any point along the way and, and take credit for themselves. Boy, God really needed me. You know, I, I, I was really the key cog in that wheel. I was. The Bible says when Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, if the, rock, if the pe children didn't cry out, the people didn't cry out and praise Him on that day. That was when they were saying Hosanna in the highest, right? Blessed is He who came, comes in the name of the Lord. That day was prophesied of. Him riding on the, the colt of the donkey. All of that. Waving the palm branches. That was going to be fulfilled. And if they didn't do it, He said the rocks and stones are going to cry out. He doesn't need us. Okay. The point is that God gets the glory and no man can take credit for it. It's God's thought. The whole th we're using the, the tabernacle tabernacle for an example it's God's thought it's God's wisdom it's God's power it's God's provision it's his work it's his plan it's all fulfilled Moses didn't think you know it'd be really nice I'm going to think up of a some kind of mobile church that we can move around God did that he gave him the tabernacle and it could be collapsed up even the way that they were to carry it and the long staves, the long rods, wooden rods, they were overlaid with gold. And, and he made this huge, you know, the brazen altar where they burnt the sacrifices with the horns on the corner. That thing was solid. That was serious. And, and it had this metal grate under it, I guess where the ashes and stuff could fall through. All that had to be packed up and carried and moved from place to place. Specific people who would carry it, and he made sure they put these rings, uh, you know, I don't know how you say, grafted into the side of it to where they could stick the rods through and carry everything. Everything was God's plan. And no man could take credit for it. Now, he uses men. Most often, he uses people to fulfill his will. There's no doubt about that. He uses people that know him for the most part. He uses people that walk with him. But it's still his will. It's His work. It's His doing. The Bible says, and I'll just quote, give you this from Psalm 98, verse 1. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song, for He hath done marvelous things. Who has done it? He has. Does He use people? Absolutely. 
So blessed to be in the service of the Lord. So blessed is to be a Bezaliel or a Hoaliam. I'll get that name straight at some point. Uh, to be used in that way. He's done marvelous right things. His right hand and his holy arm have gotten him the victory. He got himself the victory. His right hand is Jesus. That's who that's speaking of. His right hand, his holy arm, his own holy arm has gotten him the victory. Think about it. Noah built the ark, but God gave the thought and the plan. And I'm going to just give a few examples like this and read the scriptures to you. Uh, so it says in Genesis 6, 13 and 14, and God said unto Noah, now think about this ark. This would have been overwhelming, right? Here's an old man to build the ark. And he had his three sons with him. As far as we know, there's no one else that helped. We know for a fact nobody else got on except him, his wife, his three sons, and their three wives. Eight people in the ark. God put them in and shut the door. 120 years in building the ark. 120 years. They had the, the plan given. God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood, room shall thou make in the ark, and shall pitch it within and without with pitch. And he goes on and gives uh, further plans and details okay, uh, of the ark. He used Noah... But it was God's thought, His work, His judgment, His ark. Everything was, was of the Lord. And Jericho, uh, Joshua marched around Jericho. First thing when they crossed the Jordan River was this huge walled city. It looked impregnable. It was impossible. And God had this plan. It was His plan. Joshua marched around the city with the priests leading the way and so forth. And but God made the walls found out flat on the seventh day when they shouted. He says, behold, I've given you the city. The Lord's given you the city. God did that. And we see example after example of this. Even, even the Bible, the writing of the Bible. You know, it's, it amazes me today with these uh, scholarly wives, even within religion and within Christianity. A lot are not even born again that debate different things about the Bible. And I'm sure that, you know, according to them, that the, the Word of God is polluted and perverted. And uh, how do we know? And it, they're, the, they're legitimate questions. How do we know that we have the 66 books that were intended to be there in the Bible? There's nothing wrong with the questions, but the answer is going to keep coming back to God. If it's His Word, can He, can he not preserve it? If it's that important and if it's forever settled in heaven and it's the key or His way of speaking to men by His Spirit, cannot God preserve the 66 books verse by verse that He wants in there? Even if some typist made an error or some scribe made an error, can't God still preserve His Word through the generations? Either He can or He can't. If He's God, He can. And I was thinking about this Scripture for the prophecy, talking about all the Word of God came not in old time by the will of man. The Bible's not the will of man. The Bible's not the creation of man. But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Now this is not a lesson today on, on the Scriptures, but I thought about that. God's work done God's way. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. 
So who really wrote it? The Lord wrote it. All, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, the Bible says. The Bible says that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost in the streets of, of Jerusalem there. But it was God that pricked the hearts of men. And God that saved 3,000 people. Salvation is of the Lord. That's what the Bible says. Elijah repaired the altar. The day of declension, as T. Austin Sparks would put it. A day when Israel was far from God. They had a king and a queen, especially the queen that was a leader in Baal worship. They had the 850 priests of Baal in their garments. Elijah was the one standing, in whose, even his name meant uh, the, the standing in the, in the presence of God. Okay, He stood for the Lord alone. Uh, it's apparently alone. There were some others that, that didn't bow the knee. But, but the point is, he, he makes this challenge to the whole nation. The, the whole nation is out there, including the priests of Baal, every one of them. And he's standing by himself in his rough garments like John the Baptist. And he makes this challenge and he repairs the altar. You know what he was doing? He was getting it fixed up. This is God's altar. And he was getting it fixed up the way an altar should be. Those pagan priests have been jumping up and down on it and cutting themselves and gushing with blood and crying out, Oh, Baal, Baal, hear us. And they never had any answer from fire. And Elisha, he doesn't have to scream and holler and cut himself. He knows he's in the will of God. He gets up there and he takes his time and he repairs that altar. And he fixes it and he pour, prepares the sacrifice the way God wants it to be. And he offers it at the time of the evening sacrifice at the time it was supposed to be offered. He's setting things straight. He's setting things straight. And they pour water over it in a time of drought. Where they got the water, I don't know. But they drenched the sacrifice twice. So it's soaking wet. And the little trough that's around the altar is soaking wet like a little ditch. And then he cries out, God, let the people know I'm doing all this at your command. Who's going to get the credit for it? Who's going to get the credit for it? Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they didn't fall on their faces and say, Elijah is really amazing. Elijah is really amazing. They fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. They took all those priests of Baal and they killed every one of them. Now, it wasn't lasting like it should have been, but this was a revival. There was a brief revival. There was a turning to God in, in this moment. And the, the point is that it's the work of the Lord. God's work or God's will done His way is always going to prosper. You can write that down. If you want to remember one thing from today, you and I need to get plugged into the will of God and stay right there no matter what it looks like around us. Am I going the right way? Well, if your good shepherd has told you you're going the right way, you just stay in there. You keep right on where you're going because God's work done God's way will be accomplished. God's work done God's way will prosper. God's work done God's way will glorify God. You need to stay. We need to find out where it is and we need to stay right there. And so, uh, as His redeemed, we don't have to worry about it. Now I'm preaching to myself. You understand that? 
I'm preaching to myself as well, that we don't have to fret over it. We don't have to fret over the new building. Is it going to be provided for? We believe we're doing what God would have us to. I don't believe we're being presumptuous. He is going to provide the money that's needed. He's going to provide the help that's needed, the workers to, to do stuff. Uh, he's going to provide or whatever it is in your own life. We don't have to fret up over it. And y'all, it's also not for you and me, you and I to reinvent the wheel, so to speak. Find out what God wants and then hang on to that. Moses didn't make improvements to the tabernacle. Now, I think it'd be nice if it was a little bigger right over here. Let's knock out this wall and do this. Uh, it was not for him to do that. It's not for us to reinvent the gospel. That is God's power unto salvation. Everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And so he knows what he's doing. It's for you now to find out what that is, his will, and to, by faith, trust him. We get in trouble as Christians. I've gotten in trouble before when we try to improve, so to speak, or, or think we can help God out a little bit over here, doing something a little bit differently. The modern church world has done it. The modern church world wants to help God so much, and we're probably more lost as a society than we've ever been. Talk about as a whole, the percentage of Christians and the strength of the church, the glory of God in His church is probably is about as low as it could be right now. I'm not saying there's not wonderful Christians and wonderful churches and pastors and ministers. There are. I'm talking about the whole. The church in America is trying to help God out with the seeker-friendly. We're going to get them in the church with rock and roll music. We're going to get them in the church with country music. We're going to slip the gospel in the back door. That's not God's way. Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and preached, You've crucified the Lord. He's the one that God raised from the dead. It was not possible that death should hold him. 3,000 people crying out because they're pricked in the heart, convicted by the Holy Ghost. What must I do to be saved? Not slipping the gospel in the back door some way after we make wonderful relationship with them. Anyway, when we get in trouble, when we, if we get in trouble, it's usually because we try to... We try to... Uh, we're influenced by something other than really hearing from God and doing His will. We're influenced by a Christian author, a book, a speaker, a man, people, a church committee, uh, other churches and what they're doing. And it's not God's will. And they may be well-intended people. I'm not saying they're all that their, their desires. Intent is all wicked. I'm simply saying when we start giving ear to that and we start doing that, we travel down that road, and we're starting to build our own little kingdoms down here, our church kingdoms or doctrines or, or uh, music or whatever it may be. And it's not the work of God. It's not wrought by the power of God. It was not, never His intent in the first place. We just thought it would be good. And other Christians told us, yeah, let's do this. But that's not was not God's will. I'm going to read this. You remember when the, the spies were sent, 12 spies, to spy out the land in Moses' day before they went in. And Tim gave an evil report. You know, Joshua and Caleb gave a good report. But the people believed the evil report. They rebelled against God. They wanted to stone Moses. You brought us out here to kill us. They didn't believe God. They didn't believe Moses was the man of God. They didn't believe God had a promised land for him. They accused him of wanting to kill them. Uh, he just brought us out here to kill us. All that. God says these folks are not going in. They're not. 
They're going to wander in this wilderness, which they did for 40 years. And the Bible says, till their carcasses fall in the wilderness. One by one, they're dropping dead over a 40 year period. And not one of them is left. Their children grew up out there. And Joshua and Caleb. So they're, they're wandering out there. But after they first rejected the Lord, after the, the report of the spies, Joshua and Caleb tried to calm the people. They didn't listen. Moses, the Lord tells Moses, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do to him, Moses. They're going to wander out here and they're not going to enter in the promised land. Moses tells them this. Now they regret it. There's not a repentance, but there's a remorse. And there's a difference. They're not repenting towards God for doubting God. They have remorse because they're going to die in the wilderness eventually. And they don't look forward to that. Okay? So here's what happens. And they said, well, we're going to go up and fight right now. We're going to go fight right now. We're going to, we're going to go up. We're, we changed our minds. We're going to go fight. And Moses said, wherefore didn't, now do you transgress the commandment of the Lord? But it shall not prosper. In other words, you're going up to fight now after God's already told you you're not going into the promised land. It's not going to prosper. For the Lord is not among you that you may be not smitten among your, before your enemies. And their plan was, okay, okay, we're, we made a mistake. It wasn't repentance towards God. It was a remorse of their own condition and their comfort. And they, and they said, we're going to go do it now. But it wasn't God's will. And Moses knew it. And he said, it's not going to prosper. Don't do it. And that's the kind of thought I'm thinking where we, we sometimes take things into our own hands. We know that Abraham and Sarah... Wonderful as they were, they stand as shining examples of the faith in Hebrews 11. Okay, I, I'm not de degrading them at all. Okay, they're in heaven, both of them. The Bible says by faith they did what they did. But there was one point in their lives when they had been promised a child and they were a long time without a child and they were getting older and it seemed like it wasn't happening that, uh, that Sarah says, here, take my handmaid and have a child with her. That was not God's thought. It did not come from God. It was a mistake. And even Sarah said afterwards, she knew it. My, my wrong be upon thee. In other words, I've, I've caused this to come into our family, to our home. And it wasn't of the Lord. But that's just an example. That's not God's work done God's way. God's way. And he had to restate it to Abraham. No, you're going to have a child. And he restates it. And it's going to come through Sarah's body. Through your body and her body. Just sit tight and trust me. And it did happen the way that the Lord said. And we get in trouble and we try to do things our own way. Even as Christians, we get a good thought and we go with it. We have five other people tell us, yeah, that's a great thing. But nobody prayed and sought the Lord or fasted. Nobody knew for sure if they heard from God. I think our churches are filled with that, that type of mindset. I don't want to be that. I want to be led by the Lord. I want to be led by the Lord. I want you to be led by the Lord. I want us to lead each other in the Lord. Sometimes I might not be hearing right, and God has another ear in the church that can you know, bring a thought, but, but God will make it clear to us as a body where He wants us to go. Sometimes we need to sit tight and hang in there. I want to read a couple of more scriptures, y'all. Um, the Bible says uh, of the Levitical priest in Hebrews 8, 5, who served unto the example in the shadow of heavenly things as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, 
saith he, that thou makest all things according to the pattern showed thee in the mount. Now this is, I'm just setting a little stage here for the pattern. Numbers 8.4 says, And the work of the candlestick was a beaten gold unto the shaft thereof and the flowers thereof and the beaten work according unto the pattern which the Lord had showed Moses. So he made the candlestick. There's this thought of God. And to me, that's the pattern. Okay, that's the pattern. And I need to walk closely with the Lord and so do you. And we do as a body. Walk closely with the Lord so that we see the pattern shown to us in the mount, so to speak. Whether it's for your own life, your own ministry, for this church, for our country, whatever it may be, that he would know the pattern. Make sure, the Lord says, Moses, make sure you make everything like I showed you. Make sure you make everything like the pattern that I showed you in the mountain. You know what the word pattern means? I'm going to, I'm going to rattle off a lot of little words. The word pattern, it means a, to stamp or a stamp. Think about like a cookie cutter, an assembly line. Bam, 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 bam. Everyone's exactly the same. You couldn't tell number 120 from number one. They all look the same. They're from the same pattern. Okay? It means to stamp, to dye, like dye or stain with color, to print, uh, to sh the shape, form, resemblance, type, model, manner, example. So make the tabernacle, the Lord's telling Moses, make the tabernacle just this way like I showed you on the mount. You know why? Because it represents my son. Make it like I showed you on the, in the mount. This is not for man to get involved with. You make the tabernacle and the priestly garments with the tribes of Israel written on the breastplate and the different stones, the specific stones in the order where they were, and the ephod, and the, the, the golden altar of incense, and the candlestick, and the mercy seat on top of it. You make it exactly like I showed you on the mount. You know what? This represents my son. And I don't want you to misrepresent my son. I don't want you to misrepresent my son before men. I want that tabernacle to be like I showed you. And I want people to see my son as he is. Not a combination of good men and God. Church men and God. We need to get out of the way and let Jesus be exalted in this pulpit, in the Sunday school class, in the music, in your life at work, in your life in school. We need, we, we represent Christ to this world. We better represent Him like He is. By the Holy Spirit in us, we can do that. You make this candlestick like I showed you. Because it's going to have light. It's going to be the only light that's inside that tabernacle. They're not skylights. There's nothing. There. The only light that's going to be in there when you get in there is going to be the light of this candle. And my son's going to come one day. He's going to be the light of the world. Amen. I want you to represent him the way he is. When you when you celebrate the Passover after that first Passover, and you keep every year doing this from generation to generation, <clears throat> you eat. 
unleavened bread because my son's going to come one day. He's going to be the bread of life. And I want this done way back here to point men to him. You come, when you bring a, a, a animal to sacrifice for sins, you bring a lamb without blemish. Because my son one day is going to be the spotless lamb who's going to come to this earth who takes away the sins of the world. And so you make sure you do it all according to the pattern that I've showed you. Amen? The Bible says of Jesus, for it, it pleased the Father that in Him should all the, all the fullness dwell. Hebrews 1.3, who, speaking of Christ, being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person. Christ is the pattern. So let's get this. So we're bringing this to a, to a close and to a focus. Christ is the pattern. Christ, the Son of God, is the pattern. You and I cannot and no man can improve on perfection. He is perfect. He is sinless. He is spotless. We can't improve on that. And, and God is working in those that He has redeemed. Everyone from the youngest children up. He is working in those that He's redeemed to bring about this pattern. What He's doing in Eric's life, what He's doing in Reynolds' life, what He's doing in Buck's life, is the same thing He's doing in, in Maggie Kate's life, and Jordan's life. He is bringing about the pattern. He knows what He's doing. The pattern of Jesus Christ. You can't improve on that. It's perfection. That is what's the pattern. It's Christ in you. And so men, y'all, even godly men, saved men, we wouldn't know what God was doing or wanted to do through us if He didn't tell us. But He does tell us. He tells us by His Word, and it's not left up to private interpretation, by His Holy Spirit, He interprets His Word and teaches us. And He calls us into His purpose, but He also enables us to do it. So He shows us the pattern, and by the Holy Spirit, He's working the pattern in us and then through us. So we would be more like Christ and that we would rightly represent Christ to, to a world around us, to lost men and to saved men. I think about Moses at the burning bush, you know, 40 years in, in Egypt and 40 years in the wilderness. And he's at, and God, he sees this burning bush. Who initiated all of that? Moses is tending sheep in the desert. And God begins to, to speak to him and, and shows him he says, I'll just read this. He's at the burning bush. Take off your shoes, Moses. You're on holy ground. You know what's happening? God's about to do something. God's going to give a pattern. This is before the tabernacle pattern ever given. And he's about to do a work. And he's going to, he's chosen to use a man to do that. It's not a work of man. It's a work of God, right? I am the God of thy fathers, the Lord says to Moses at the bush. I, I want you to hear how many times the Lord speaking to Himself, I am the God of thy fathers. I, I have surely seen the affliction of my people. I have heard their cry. I am come down to deliver them and to bring them out and to bring them unto a good land. Then He says, Come now therefore and I will send thee unto Pharaoh. He was just going to be an instrument. He was just going to be a tool. But what a blessing 
to be a tool, instead of being a tool for myself or a tool for the devil, to be a tool for God. We're still talking about Moses today because he was used by the Lord. And you know what? God did those things through him. And God did according to his own will, by his might, by his power. The Bible says that the children of Israel came out by the high hand of God. He brought them out. Moses is known as the deliverer and the lawgiver. But to me, that's deliverer with a little d and lawgiver with a little l. God's the lawgiver. God is the deliverer. God brought them out. And the good, the way, the reason God could use Moses, and we need to take example from this, is because Moses knew it too. Moses knew, I'm just an instrument in his hand. Who am I? He even said, send, send Aaron, my brother. You know, he, he's better than me. He talks better than I do. The, and he stayed that way. And he was humble. And the Bible says he was the most meek man that ever lived on the planet. That's quite a compliment. Because Jesus says, take my yoke and learn of me. I'm meek and lowly in heart. That's a Christ-like characteristic. And he was mighty in the Lord. God used him mightily. And so, uh, we just need to understand what his will is. His plans are going to succeed. Faithful is he who calleth thee, who also will do it. He will cause it to prosper. He'll make sure it prospers. He'll make sure that a little David, a little teenage boy without any armor on, kills a Goliath who's armed from head to toe. He must have one little space that was open, and that's where the rock hit. Okay, and dropped him like a big redwood tree. The, the, he's always going to make sure that it prospers. And so we work, but even the work of the Lord is done by the power of the Lord. I've gravitated to this scripture lately in Colossians 1.29 where Paul says, Whereunto I labor, striving according to His working which worketh in me mightily. Whereunto I labor, striving according to His working which works in me mightily. He said, I'm working hard. Paul did work hard. Said, I labor more abundantly than they all, but it's not really me. It's the Lord in me. It's, the, it's His mighty working. It's His power. And so back to, we're going to bring this to a close. This Bezaliel, he wasn't just extra skillful. So I'll get him. He's really good at iron work. He, he was good at iron work. But he was good because God had by His Holy Spirit had enabled him and filled him with this wisdom and understanding. It was like this light bulb came on the man. He knew how to work with that gold. He knew how to make the priestly garments. I got it, Moses. I got it. God showed me. You know what I mean? I, I, I got it. I got the I, I picture. I got the, uh, the, the cherubim wings touching each other on top of the mercy seat. I know just how to do it. I got it. God filled him with that. And he does that not just for these men building the tabernacle. He does it for those that are called into his service. Called into his service that he's called to be what he's called us to do. And we don't have to worry. And, and he's going to build. He knows how to build whatever it is he wants to build. I'm going to give this scripture just real quickly for time's sake. But in... Uh, Matthew 16, 18, the Lord said to Peter, after Peter had just said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, right? And he says, You're blessed, Simon, son of Jonah. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven revealed this to you. He was right on target. Okay? And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock 
Who's going to build this church? I will build my church. And the gates of hell should not prevail against it. Christ is the pattern and Christ is the builder. The Bible says every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. And he knows how to build his own church. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. And we don't have to fret, is it going to get done? My only concern, and your only concern, is just a child of God to stay on our face before the Lord. When we start neglecting our prayer time, when we start neglecting the assembling of ourselves together, when we start getting uh, caught up in the world, and we find our time and our, our focus starts being on other things, then we would need to be concerned. But God knows how to build His church. He can build it from one person. He can build it from a little handful of people. He knows what He's doing. Amen? And I'm going to close with a, a few thoughts here. But I just pray that this would be an encouragement to you this morning. I pray this message would be an encourage, encouragement to you. He's not asking when it comes to building His church. He's not asking for our opinion, our input, so to speak. He's asking for our surrender. And, and if we would surrender, I don't, I don't think yet, I haven't seen it in my life, and I've been around wonderful Christians, and these are the most wonderful I've ever been around right here. But I have still yet to see somebody that's fully surrendered to the will of God. Fully. In every way. It can be. It can be. He's not asking for my input, He's asking for my surrender. If you'll surrender, I'll use you. If you surrender, I'll use you in ways you never thought. They would have been way beyond your imagination. He knows how to build His church. He knows how to fulfill His own will. He knows how to save your lost loved ones that don't know the Lord. Peter didn't make any plans on that day of Pentecost what he was going to say. He, was, he didn't know that day was going to be the day when they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But 3,000 people got saved when he preached. It was God's doing. It was God's work. He was just plugged in. He was right where he should be. They were all in one place in one accord when, the, when suddenly the sound of a rushing mighty wind comes in and they're all filled with the Holy Ghost. He was right where he should be. Peter and John didn't have any plans that day when they walked by the lame man outside the gate beautiful. They didn't have a healing committee or anything like that. God put it in their hearts. The man was healed, received. The lame man was healed. 5,000 people got saved that day. God had it all worked. He knows how to build His church, y'all. He knows what He's doing. But if my mind's on something else, I'd walk right by the lame man. He wouldn't be healed. And God said, whoa, 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 whoa. i got something huge I want to do today. You just missed it. You just walked right past it. We have to hear from God. We don't make plans for those things. I make plans to stay on my face before God and to walk closely with the Lord. Stephen didn't figure it all out that day. Uh, the day that this is the day I'm going to get stoned and going to glorify God. But he glorified God in his death and made an impression on a young man named Saul's life, who later became the Apostle Paul, who was witness to it all. The Bible says the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. The Lord does that. Amen. He knows how to do it. The Bible says God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to His own will. This is the work of the Lord, y'all. He knows how to do it. 
And the Lord's going to help us. So if you're right now thinking you're, you're facing something that just seems almost insurmountable, you just need to know, is this God's will or not? That's all you have to settle. That's all that has to be settled. Did God tell me to do this or did He not? And I'm going to pray and I'm going to seek the Lord till I'm sure. And if I am sure that I'm in the will of God, then He will take care of accomplishing it. The provision for it. The energy for it. If I need helpers, He'll send me helpers. Whatever it is that's needed, God will provide. And I'm going to close with this. Do you can come. Y'all, whether, whether it's growing this church, whether it's your own walk with the Lord, and growing in the Lord, you say, okay, I'm kind of like at a, a stagnant place in my walk and I want to get beyond it. Whatever it is, God knows how to get you from where you are to where He wants you to be. We just need to yield to Him. Maybe it's, uh, you're having trouble raising your, your children or your family in the things of God and the ways of God. Maybe you're having a hard time establishing a family altar and you quit try, even trying. Whatever it is, God knows how to bring it to pass. We need to yield to Him. God's going to accomplish it. And He's going to also perfect that which concerns us. I'm closing with this Scripture. And Moses did look upon all the work. So after it was finished. All the tons of work that had to be done. And Moses did look upon all the work. And behold, they had done it as the Lord had commanded. Even so had they done it. And Moses blessed them. They did it. It was done just like exactly the way God wanted it. Didn't have to go back and well, we need to fix this, this, and this. It was done exactly the way it was supposed to be because God showed it to Moses. God filled these other men and these workers with the same spirit and heart and the skill to do it. And God brought it all to pass and it was finished and then it had the blessing of the Lord on it at the end. That's what we want. I, want. I want the blessing of the Lord upon my life. I want the blessing of the Lord upon your life and upon this church. We need God's work and God's will done His way is always going to prosper. Amen. Y'all stand with me this morning. Let's take some time, y'all, just a few minutes to get with the Lord. Maybe you just need to seek God. Maybe you need to find out, am I in the will of God? What I'm wrestling with, I'm not saying you're not in the will of God. You need to find out, though. Pray for our church. Pray that God would keep us in His will. Pray that we wouldn't get uh, distracted by the next latest, greatest thing that comes flowing down the river. But we'll stay grounded right here in the Word of God. And, and the pattern is Jesus, y'all. The pattern is Jesus. Plain and simple. Let everything else just fall to the dust. And we see one thing and one thing only, and that's the Lord. That's our pattern. That's it. The pattern's given us in the Word, and the Holy Ghost takes the Word and gives us understanding like He gave those men the skill to build the tabernacle. Amen? He's going to give it to us in all that we need. Let's worship God this morning. Take some time with the Lord. Father, we come before You in the mighty name of Jesus.